Well, last week, I preached on bringing dead circumstances to life. And uh, if you weren't here, four points that I, I made from the sermon were, see your valley as being filled with divine possibilities, hear the word of the Lord for your situation, uh, declare God's word over your situation, and invite the Holy Spirit to come into your situation. And, and those points aren't just fancy points that I just dragged up because I had to fill out a sermon, but these are things that the Holy Spirit lays on our hearts from the Word of God that actually work. And so I, I want to just get Pam Perkins to come up. Uh, Pam leaves a life group, and uh, she's going to tell us a situation that happened to her and her group that just illustrates those points that I made. Thanks, John. Hi, everybody. Last week, as Don's just said, he preached that amazing sermon about hearing God's word for our situation and then declaring it over the situation. And we had such a clear demonstration in our life group recently of how when we do that, amazing things happen in our situation. Last September, one of our life group members, who's not a member of this church, had a very severe mental breakdown. And she was taken into Tumanico, the mental health unit at Fungare Hospital. And our life group immediately started praying for her. We visited her. We had a very strong sense that God was saying to us that he had heard our prayers and that he would heal her. And so we waited. We went on praying and thanking God, and we waited with great anticipation to see this healing come and her come back to us. And time went by, and she got worse and worse and worse. She'd recover for a while. They'd try a new treatment. She'd recover a little more, and then down she would go again. And by the time we got to May this year, we were really starting to flag. We were, we were becoming quite despondent because we couldn't understand what we were doing wrong, what had happened and why we hadn't seen her healing yet. And by the end of May, we really thought we were going to lose her. She was so ill. And we cried out to God and we asked him to show us what we weren't, weren't doing or what we were doing wrong. And the Holy Spirit gave me a very clear leading um, he showed me that we needed to use God's word, literally, for our friend, which is exactly what Don was talking about last week. So I made, and he gave us the actual verse to use, which was, for I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I made copies of that verse, and I gave it to all the life group, and we agreed that we would pray that verse four times a day, praying it three times each time we prayed it, First, we would thank God for that verse. Secondly, we would say to Satan, it is written. This is what God says. Mm. And thirdly, we would believe and claim that verse for our friend. And so we did that. And this went on for several weeks. And then suddenly there was a change. The doctors who had given up all, they'd used all the treatments they could, suddenly decided to try something radical, which they did. And immediately our friend responded and last week, she came out of Timonaco, and she's home and back with us again. And we give God all the praise and all the glory. Great. Fantastic. Thanks, Pam. God's good, isn't he? Okay, so this week, this week, 1 Kings chapter 20. If we're to read that particular chapter, you'll find that Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, uh, along with 32 other kings, uh, comes to attack Israel's king and the city of Samaria. And uh, if we read the story, you'll find that uh, God miraculously delivers Israel and the Aramean army is absolutely slaughtered. But while they were retreating, 
Ben-Hadad's servants tried to console him. And they said, Israel's gods are gods of the mountains. Therefore, they were stronger than us. But let's fight them in the valley, and surely we will be stronger than them. How many people know that God never forgets? He hears every idle word. He hears everything that is said. And this passing comment sets the scene for the conflict one year later. And we're going to pick this up in 1 Kings chapter 20, and starting at verse 26. And it says this. The next spring, Ben-Hadid mustered the Arameans and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. When the Israelites were also mustered and given provisions, they marched out to meet them. The Israelites camped opposite them like two small flocks of goats, while the Arameans covered the countryside. And the man of God came up and told the king of Israel, This is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands, and you will know that I am the Lord. For seven days they camped opposite each other, and on the seventh day the battle was joined, and the Israelites inflicted 100,000 casualties on the Aramean foot soldiers in one day. And there was just an amazing victory. It was like uh, two small flocks of goats, is how the Israel army was described, uh, crushing this huge, huge, huge army. It was out of the jaws of defeat and impossibility. God came through for Israel. And and so doing, he demonstrated to his people that he is the Lord. And specifically, he says that he wanted the people to know that he's just not just the God of the hills, but he is the, the God of the valleys. And that's so important for us to know because every one of us will have Valley experiences in life. We all go through difficult times. We all have problems. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. How many people are living in this world? You're going to have trouble. It's not a matter of if you'll have trouble. It's when you're going to have trouble. We all experience difficulty, disappointment, discouragement in life. Some is of our own making. Most is not. There will be times of suffering, sorrow, sickness. There will be times of frustration, failure, fatigue. We don't believe for these times. We don't want them, but they are part of life. And as Christians, we have high times. We have mountaintop times. uh, We have low times. We have valley experiences. God promises success in his word. I love to read about Successful people. I love to read about great men and women of faith, testimonies of success. I preach living victoriously all of the time. And we all want that. We all want to be victorious rather than be defeated in life. But the thing is, you can't be victorious without a battle. And most of life's battles are fought in the valleys. It's how we handle the problems of life that set us apart and determine our future. So this morning, I want to give you a few points so that you can have victory 
and your valleys. And the first one that I see that we need to recognize is that valleys are inevitable and unpredictable. Problems are going to happen in life. We never like them, but we can survive them. We can have victory in the valleys. No one is immune. No one is insulated from pain and suffering. No one gets to skate through life problem-free. Everyone has problems. Problems, trials, difficulties, disturbances, downtimes. They don't mean you're a bad person. That just means you're a person. It doesn't mean you're an evil human being. If you've got problems, it just means you're a human being. Success does not always imply God's blessing. And failure doesn't mean God's punishment is disapproval or his displeasure or his disinterest. The Bible is very clear that sometimes bad things happen to good people. Remember, this is not heaven. We pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we pray that? Because this is earth. It's not heaven. And the kingdom of God and the values and, and the blessing of God, which we see in the heavenly situation, is yet to totally invade earth. So problems going to happen, and sometimes they happen to good people. In 1975, I went on a missions trip with my uh, church from Hamilton to Rarotonga. How many people would like to go on a missions trip to Rarotonga? Yeah, I'm hanging out for Tuvalu, actually. I reckon that would be absolutely awesome as well. But anyway, we were um, building, and we built the very first Assemblies of God church on the island of uh, Rarotonga. And on one of our days off, a couple of us decided that we would climb the highest mountain on the island. For those of you who have been to Rarotonga, you'll know that the uh, high mountains are in the center, and they just peel down uh, towards the sea. So we headed off early, and uh, we started our short tramp, and two hours later, we got to the top of the peak. We turned around. What an absolutely fantastic view of the beach we got. But to our dismay, as we reached the top, there a little bit further on was an even higher peak. Now, most of us would like to just build a bridge from peak to peak, but that's not what happens. If you want to get from one peak to the next peak, what do you have to do? You go down, you go down through the valley and then up the other side. And so that's what we did. One hour later, having successfully climbed the second peak, there a little bit further on was a third peak. And we'd run out of time, so we headed back. But basically in life, when we all want to go from mountaintop experience to mountaintop experience, and we want to build a bridge between them, but we don't recognize that between the mountaintop experiences, there is a valley. And you can't get from one mountaintop experience to the next mountaintop experience without actually going through a valley. You can't plan them. You can't time them. You can't schedule in valley experiences. Valleys are unexpected usually. How many people have ever had a flat tire at a good time? In fact, my wife had a flat tire on her wedding day. Just as they were heading off to the uh, church, tire was flat. So that put them about 20 minutes late. 
and they're going along in Hamilton, going along quite quickly on the, along the road, and then boom, this car goes flying past them. It was my dad and my mum uh, who were 30 minutes late <laughs> trying to get to the wedding, and that's another story. I'm not even going to go there. Problems <laughs> just happen. Some problems are our fault. Some problems are other people's fault. Some are the devil's fault. But many just happen because we are living in a world which is falling apart because of sin and everyone is, exp- is affected. Secondly, valleys are temporary. They have an end to them. They, they don't last. They are not a permanent location. In Psalm 23, David says, even though I walk through the valley. The valley experience is is not somewhere that you want to stay your your entire life. It's not somewhere where you were created to stay for your entire life. It's something you go through, a circumstance, a situation that has a season to it. And when you're in a valley, you often think it's a dead end, but it's not. It's like a tunnel. There is a beginning and an end. You go through the tunnel, and eventually you've got to come out and back out into the light. Problems don't come into your life to stay. And so when you get in that problem situation, you need to be looking for the way out. You need to be believing that God is going to help you to get you through and out of that valley. Because God wants to give us victory in the valleys. He will always use the problems in life for your good if you will let him. Romans 8:28 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purposes. And we know that in all things, not just some, not just one or two, but in all situations and circumstances. There is not a situation, there is not a circumstance in your life that God can't use it for good in your life if you will let him. There are all sorts of trials. There are financial valleys. There are relational valleys. There are emotional values, valleys. There are sickness. There are hardships. And there are a lot of valleys mentioned in the Bible. There is the valley of dry bones, the valley of weeping, the valley of the shadow of death. There's conflict and unforgiveness. There is the valley of decision. And God can give us victory in every one of those if we would just let him and look to him. For, for most of us, unfortunately, the only way that we learn life lessons is through problems. It would be so great if we could learn all of our lessons by just hearing quietly the voice of God. How many people have got children? How many people know that the still small voice doesn't always work with your kids? All right? Yeah, no, we'd love that, wouldn't we? And sometimes you have to use the raised voice. Then you have to pull out the trump card. Wait till daddy gets home. And in the olden days, there was one more card that you could pull out. It was called the jam spoon. And because we have uh, police officers here this morning, um, I am not going to mention anything that might incriminate me. But basically, that used to work real, real good. 
and I have two fine sons because I applied a, a few things to their seat of learning from time to time. And they learnt real, real good. But we're like kids. We don't often hear the still small voice. We need to have a little bit more incentive from time to time. When you come face to face with a dark valley, you get on your knees. They say that after 9-11, more of America prayed that at any time during the previous two decades. After 9-11, everyone flooded the churches, which was a great sign to start off with. It's just a shame that it didn't continue. Faith is strengthened in the valleys. Your reaction to the valleys and the problems of life is probably far more important than the problem itself. In 1 Samuel 30, we read how David and his men came home to their town to find that had been burned to the ground and their families had been taken captive and they all wept until there was no more strength left them to weep. And it says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 that David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Well, when we get into problems, we always want to blame someone, don't we? Always. And the one that you blame, first of all, is who? The leader. The leader. Always it's the leader who gets blamed. Always it's the boss who gets blamed. And if you can't blame him, you blame God. And it says that uh, they wanted to stone him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David's men wanted to blame him and were going to stone him. But David encouraged himself in God. And God told David exactly what to do. And he told David that they would recover it all. And that's been a promise which has been given to me many times. Who are you blaming? If someone has let you down or offended you, forgive them. I'd like to say, build a bridge and get over it. Forgive as often as you want to be forgiven. Life is too short to waste it on bitterness and unforgiveness that only really affects you. Don't blame God. He's for you, not against you. I think one of the most difficult situations I have ever faced happened to us about six years ago in an uh, attempt to expand our facilities. We ended up losing everything as a church. And the hardest thing for me was not that we were losing our building, but was the personal attacks from people who I thought were my friends and who ended up being part of the problem rather than part of the solution. I was on the verge of a burnout. We were about to see this building sold, so we would have to move out. The very ones who made the decisions with us were washing their hands of the consequences. What an absolute mess. But then God began to move. And those events actually laid the foundation for where we are today. I was broken, but God used those events, first of all, to change me. And in retrospect, I needed changing and still need changing. He deepened my relationship with him. 
He showed me the people that he wanted me to build with for the future. And it was amazing when God started moving, things started to be put right in place. Miraculously, a Christian businessman who doesn't go to our church uh, gave us some absolutely amazing advice. He stepped in, thwarted the plans of the enemy, and he ended up spending over a million dollars to buy this building and lease it back to us so that we could stay here. He didn't have to, but he did. And that kept our church together. Not only that, but he said that if ever we wanted to buy the building back, he would sell it back to us. I mean, how good is that? And since that time, God has been rebuilding his church, and we are stronger now than we were back then. How good is that? So some of the lessons that I learned in my valley of despair is God's with us in the valleys. He is totally with us in the valleys. Often we experience God's power on the mountaintop, but we experience his person in the valley. Elijah experienced God's power on the top of Mount Carmel, but when fatigue led to fear and fear led to failure in Elijah's life, Elijah experiences an angelic visitation twice in the desert, which led to his healing. The psalmist David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, literally the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And I've learned more about God through my struggles and in my valleys than I have on the mountaintops because I've discovered that God is with me. Uh, Joshua 1 verse 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. One of the names of Jesus is the lily of the valley. The psalmist said, I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid because you are with me. God doesn't sit up in heaven looking down on you saying, I sure hope they make it. No, he's there with you in the valley, walking with you hand in hand. God says, I will lead you through this if you will take my hand. If you want victory in the valleys of life, recognize that God is with you in the valleys and wants to give you victory. But also, one of God's provisions for us is actually people. You don't have to go through the valleys of life alone. God has given us each other to stand with each other through difficult times. That's why God says, hey, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't stop getting together. Get together, not just to praise and to worship God, but because he has us in a family, a place that we can be supported. Before I went through my darkest time, God had already arranged support for me. The year before, I was traveling to a missions conference in, uh, in Bali. And on the way back at Singapore Airport, I bumped into a guy that I'd known years and years before, a guy by the name of Pastor Tark Barna. 
and we uh, sat down together and we went into the lounge together and we just talked and talked and talked and talked. And it was at that time that our hearts were actually knitted together. God did something. God knew what was coming up. Uh, when we were going through our most difficult time, Tark would contact me every week. Every week. In fact, I was shocked one time. I had to go down to Auckland and I popped into Church Unlimited. It was a Thursday evening and it was their prayer meeting night. And there on the big screen was the picture of Penny and myself. And the whole church was praying for us. And they prayed for us regularly for over a year till we got through that situation. What an encouragement that was for me. Others here stood by us and prayed for us. How many people here were with us during those hard times? Why don't you just stand your feet right now, if you're here, back here when we're going through those difficult times. Look around. These are the, yeah, come on. Give them a clap. These are the ones who stood by us, who prayed for us, who prophesied over us, got God's word for us, stood in the gap for us. And that was so important because we aren't supposed to live life by ourselves. But God has places in his family called the church. Pam's life group stood in the gap for their friend, and so could you. Penny, why don't you come up? Just tell us what happened to you this week. Is it on? Oh, yes, yes. Well, typical woman comes home after a hard day's work and gets in the kitchen and cooks dinner. Anyway, that's what I was doing Tuesday night, and I bet lots of you are like me, as I'm cooking. Taste this, eat that, you know. So I was cutting up some cold meat, and I, I love gristly bits, so I stuck one of those in my mouth, and I was chewing on it and getting dinner ready, and chewed it, but probably didn't chew it well enough, and swallowed it. And that was it. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't swallow. I couldn't talk. I couldn't do a thing. It was stuck right here. And I'm standing there going, can't swallow it, wouldn't go down, couldn't get a breath, couldn't speak. Don was in the next room, I think, watching TV. And I was... <laughs> I'm not telling any fibs, you know. <laughs> and I thought... I'm standing thinking, I can't breathe. What can I do? I can't get this out. And I can't call for Don. And you don't think very clearly when you suddenly can't breathe. And so I started to try and be sick. You know, I, try, I bend over and started to try and, and vomit it up. And he heard me make a noise. He heard me making a funny noise. And I thought I was making lots of noise, but he said it was only a tiny bit of noise. And he, ca he yelled out, are you all right? And I didn't answer because I couldn't talk. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't do anything. So he thankfully came into the kitchen and he said by then I'd gone grey and was going blue. And I was just standing there, just couldn't do a thing. And so Don came up behind me and thankfully you'd learnt the, what is it, the Heineken? Heimlich. Yeah, Heimlich. We'd, we'd studied it a while ago when that guy on TV, <laughs> um, it showed it on the news and we both read up about it on Google. And so he came up behind me and, and did it, but nothing happened. I still couldn't breathe. So he said he did it again. He showed me the next day. I said, how hard did you do it? 
he did it again on me when I was all right. And I said, oh, that was hard. And he said, no, that wasn't as hard as I did it the second (laughs) time. (laughs) And so he did it, and it made me vomit, and I got it out. And I'm standing there shaking and breathing and thinking, oh, so good to breathe. But if he wasn't there, I said to him, I I would have been gone. I just could not get it out. And you don't think at the time, oh, she's dying. You just jump in and do it. But the reality is she needed someone to help her. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, hey, lots of people here have got things stuck in their life that are stopping the breath of God from having the Holy Spirit, from having its way in your life. And you can't get rid of that thing by yourself. You need someone else to get alongside you and exercise that thing and break through on your behalf. And God calls us to stand in the gap on behalf of our friends. Uh, He says about a whole city, he said, I was looking for someone to stand in the gap on behalf of the city, and I couldn't find someone. Not only are the people here that have got areas in their life that they need someone else to help them with the breakthrough but people here don't realize the gifts that you have got and the way that you are able to help somebody else if you just use the gifts that God has given you I didn't really have a clue how to do the Heimlich uh, maneuver I had seen it well I didn't think I did but boy I did real good (laughs) I I knew I, I it was there It was there. It was there, but I wasn't confident in it. In fact, afterwards, the next day, I Googled it, looked it up, and made sure that I I learned the right technique for young ones, for old ones, for big ones, and smaller ones, so that I I knew exactly what I was doing. But the reality is that every one of you have got the gifts of the Holy Spirit within you, and God wants to use you if you'd only make those gifts available to Him. We need each other. One of Satan's strategies is to isolate us when we're facing problems. One of Satan's strategy is if you're going through issues and you've got problems in your life, you try and hide those. I was part of a church where we had a victorious attitude so that everyone put on masks. How are you? Oh, we're great. And you're three quarters dead. You know, God wants us to believe him and his word, but he wants us to be real about the situations and the circumstances that we're facing right now so that we can get help to break through and come into that place of victory. We need to stand in the gap for other people. Wednesday morning, I was um, woken up at five o'clock and I was praying. And God gave me a picture of a person in our church And he gave me verses, Jeremiah 17, verses um, 5 through to 8. And God told me that this person was a fruitful tree, but that they weren't bearing fruit because every few years their little tree, their shrub, would be uprooted and planted somewhere else. And so the, the shrub never got the opportunity to bear fruit because if you want to bear fruit, you need to put your roots down. And down deep into the waters and into the Holy Spirit. 
The other thing that God showed me about this particular situation is the person was very gifted, but they had to learn to trust in the Lord. Listen to what he is saying rather than try and get through situations just in their own strength. And that brings me to the last point this morning, just as the musicians come, please. Trust Jesus to take you through the valley. God wants to take your hand and lead you through. Yea, though I walk through the valley. It's in the valleys of life that we come face to face with God. And when I'm going through a valley, I don't want to talk about God. I want to talk to God. I want to hear from Him. Psalm 34 verse 19 says this. The good man does not escape all troubles. Why don't you say that with me? The good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too. But the Lord helps him in each and every one. Isn't that a fantastic verse? We have troubles, but the difference between us and someone who doesn't know God is we've got God to help us through them. How amazing is that? Psalm 84 verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. That's the valley of weeping. That's the valley of great distress. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools, and they go from strength to strength. You know, you and I can turn our valley of weeping into a wellspring of refreshing if you will just reach out and touch Jesus. If you will look to him to help you get through the valleys. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand your feet with me? I'm going to ask the ministry team just to come and to stand in the front, if you would, please, guys. And I just, I just want to pray for people this morning. I want to pray for people who are just having a difficult time in one area or another. I want to pray for people who need a breakthrough. I want to pray for people who need a touch from God, those that need healing. If you are facing a valley situation or if you know of someone who is and needs a breakthrough, why don't you come and stand on their behalf and let's join together so that we can just pray and see the power of God come into a situation or circumstance. I'd like to think this morning that there are going to be people coughing up their problems as the Holy Spirit grabs them and breathes His life into their situation and circumstances. So if that's you this morning, or if you're standing on behalf of a friend, why don't you just come up now as we just begin to worship the Lord. Holy Spirit, we need your presence. Holy Spirit, we need you to break through. God, we can't do it in our own strength. Blessed is the man who trusts in God and makes God his strength. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will not cease to bear fruit, whose leaves will be green even in time of drought. God, I thank you 
that while there are troublous times surrounding us, God, in you, we can have peace. In you, we can have strength. In you, we can have breakthrough, God, as we give our situations and circumstances to you. Lord, I thank you that we know you, that we can call upon your name and be healed and be saved and be set free. So God, we pray this morning that you would be the God of the breakthrough to everyone who comes this morning. For those who have had long-standing issues, for those who have got friends, who have got relatives, who have not broken through into their place in God, God, I pray that this morning you would break through and just have your way. Thank you, Jesus.